everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Today I'm going to be talking about the K-drama called My Mister, also known as My Ajoshi. Ajoshi? Ajoshi. Uh, so My Mister or My Ajoshi came out in 2018 and it is a 16-episode drama. It does say that it's 16 episodes, but like at some point, every single episode is like movie length it's like an hour and a half for an episode so even though it's only 16 episodes it's not like a particularly short watch and I think it's also a fucking heavy watch (laughs) it's really really heavy so it's kind of like a slow thing I think it's the kind of show you need to be in the right mood for you need to slow down for and you need to sink into it or at least that was my experience with it so I would say that this is a melodrama is kind of the kind of vibe that I get from it. It's certainly slow. It's filled with misery. It's very sad, but it's all about, I guess, these moments of humanity and hope that shine through this kind of this darkness that these characters are experiencing in their lives. And it certainly has a lot to say about, I want to say, modern city life and modern city living and the kind of lives that we either fall into or, you know, fall through the cracks of. I think the show has a lot going on in its themes, um, which I really, really liked. I think, so this show for me overall, I guess I'll just say, I really, really liked it. Um, It was the kind of show I I watched the first episode and I took a big break from it because I was like, holy fuck, this show is heavy. Like it's making me want to cry a lot. It makes my chest ache. It hurts sometimes to watch it because it's so just agonizingly sad at times. Um, So it's not like a particularly super easy watch. I don't think it's like a binge watch either, even though I've kind of ended up doing that a little bit. Um, But I also think it's it just has these moments of beauty in it that are so unbelievably moving and special, I guess. I don't know. Um, 
So I didn't love all of it and I will say that straight out because I feel like this show is very special to a lot of people and I want to make it, you know, I guess give everyone the heads up. that. So this is just going to be me waffling on about my feelings about the show, but of course you might have had a very, very different reaction. Um, I think that on the whole, I feel really positive about it. I found it beautiful and I found so much of it moving, but I had a very personal like thing about a lot of the side characters and I ended up like severely disliking um, a lot of the main side characters that I just for me personally, I just didn't feel like they needed to be in the show. And I personally felt like I kind of feel like the whole thing would have been more beautiful to me without all the side characters and their side problems, because I felt like the main characters had so much going on that I wanted to delve into and explore and so many layers to peel back individually and in their relationship and the way that they're relating to each other. I just felt like there was so much there. It was so full. It had so much weight that I almost felt like the rest of it I don't know, it just didn't gel for me. Um, but, you know, I guess although the side characters, they, they're kind of main, like they do have a lot of screen time. And I have to admit, I didn't love all that stuff. But when it came to the main part of the show, which is the main plot line and the main two leads... I was in love with it. I loved it. I thought it was beautiful and moving. Um, so I guess that's sort of like my, my overall feelings towards the show. So the reason that I watched My Mister is kind of a cool one. So I mentioned a while back um, on the podcast when I was watching uh, the drama called The Secret Life of My Secretary, which I've got a podcast episode on in the past. Um, so I, I met a really lovely K-drama friend through this podcast. Hello, Lizzie. And we, we do like a, you know, a drama watch kind of thing. So this was the next drama on our list that we, we kind of watch together, but also separately because we don't live remotely near each other. <laughs> um, um, so it's really, really fun. I haven't actually chatted with Lizzie yet at, at the time that I'm recording this to find out her feelings on it. So I'm just going to delve into how I felt about my mister. Um, and I'm going to be very interested to see um, what Lizzie felt. And of course, if anyone else wants to email me your feelings about this show, um, I would really, really love to know because I think it's always very interesting to see how different people relate to the same show. I think people... I don't know, you just pull such different things out of shows. Um, obviously, you come you come to a work of fiction with your own background and your own experiences, so it really changes how you view things sometimes. Um, so we watched this one because Lizzie has a friend, I think, who has a friend who has a Korean friend, and her Korean friend very highly recommended it. So we thought... Eh, why not? Um, I'm really, really glad I watched it. It's been on my to watch list for a very, very long time. And I guess potentially when I think about it, I probably avoided it a little bit because, you know, man, look at the poster. It looks sad. It looks sad as fuck. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be so depressed when I watch this. And it is sad. It is very, very heavy, but it is worth it. I think it's, it's, it's life affirming in some ways, but there's this familiar kind of feeling to it as well. I think in particular in the way that the end is not this big, shiny, happy, perfect thing. I kind of loved that about the show. It does feel a little bit closer to reality, this familiar feeling to it. Um, and I probably avoided it because I knew it wasn't a romance drama. 
it's really funny. So many of my shows aren't romance dramas, but I'm more attracted to them. Like I'm more likely to pick up a show if I know it's going to have a heavy focus on romance, um, which is kind of interesting because in a lot of ways, my Mr. Personally, I felt like it is a love story, um, but it's like, it's just on this, it's love in the most deepest life-changing ways, um, you know, between these two people, like it's not a romance drama where there is skinship and touching and kissing by any means or anything along those lines, but it's that meeting of somebody that fundamentally changes you, but also becomes a lifeline, like literally saves your life. Um, so it's very, very, very much about love in that way. Like I completely think of this as a love story personally. Um, so I really, really liked all that stuff. Um, so the main characters in this drama, so I guess the main lead actors, um, so it stars uh, Lee Sun Kyun as the character Dong Hoon. So Lee Sun Kyung is, you know, I've seen him in heaps of stuff. Um, I've seen him in also he he does a lot of movies and I've seen him in some fantastic movies actually that I really, really liked. He is of course in Parasite as well, the really madly famous Korean uh, movie that's a bit more recent, but I've seen him in another one that I just adored. I should have looked up what it was actually. Maybe I'll do that right now um, because I really loved it. It's like a, it's a crime drama and it's bloody good. Um, but also he's in, <laughs> I tried to look it up and there's actually so many in this list that I don't even think I'll be able to find it. Ah, I'll tell you guys that some other day if I ever remember. Anyway, um, so Isan Kyun, I don't know. I don't know if he's someone that I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch this because he's in it. Um, I don't particularly watch his dramas. I probably am a bit ambivalent, but he's incredible in this. He is just the cornerstone of the whole show. He is like this, the weight in the middle that I think everyone else revolves around. And I loved him in this. Um, I really did. I really did. So I'll talk about his character a bit more um, when I get into the setup of the show. But I loved him in this. He's so good. Um, so the female lead is played by the actress IU um, and her character's name is Ijian. So IU, of course, she's great. I love her. She's in a lot of stuff. I have never quite seen her like this. She like her whole performance is so restrained, so quiet, so minimal. She, you know, barely speaks. And when she does, it's so quiet, but she, it's there's so much going on. You know, there's you just see everything rippling beneath the surface. I thought she was amazing in this. And I think for me, you know, even though I really disliked a lot of the side characters in this show, unfortunately for me, the two leads are so incredible that every single second, one or the other or both was on screen. I was just riveted. Like they just larger than life it feels so deep, everything that's going on with them. So um, I really liked it. And so a few other familiar faces in the cast, um, some of the side characters I've seen before. Um, and the only kind of other probably bigger actor, I suppose, or what I'm thinking of, um, who has lead roles now is um, Jung Ki-yong, who is an actor who was in Come and Hug Me and other dramas like that. So he's a lead actor now, I think, since this time or I don't know he's got a bit of a side side role in this um very interesting frightening character in this and I, I really liked the casting of it I thought that was 
really, really good. Um, so I think that's it for my overview. I'm going to get into the setup and then just go through the stuff I loved, but also the stuff I didn't love and hopefully um, touch on the ending as well, because I think that that's worth talking about. Okay, so I just really quickly um, looked up that movie that Isan Kyon was in in the past that I really, really enjoyed. It is a crime detective movie. It's very, very, very dark, but if you don't mind that kind of content, I believe it's based on a Japanese novel. Um, and the movie is called Helpless or Hacha. Um, so Helpless starring Isan Kyon and also Kim Minnie. Um, I really liked it, but who knows? <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, so anyway, I was going to talk about the setup for my mister. So it was really interesting for me. I went into this drama completely blind. I really, really did not know what even the setup, what the, the basic plot was, which was kind of fun. I feel like these days I hardly ever go into a drama without even understanding what the plot was. All I knew about the drama was that IU was really, really sad and something, I don't know, formed some sort of a relationship with, you know, this older gent, um, Dong Hoon. But it turned out to be much more complex and deeper and have like a much more um, heavily plotted storyline than I expected. I thought it was literally only going to be characters doing character driven things. Um, and, you know, that's a huge portion of the show is character driven, but there is definitely a plot that um, threads everything together and I think drives things in the story forward. Um, so that was really a real shock for me. I didn't know. So basically, um, Park Dong-hoon, played by Lee Sun-kyun, um, is this. So he's 45. He works in, um, I guess, like an architecture kind of place. And he's a structural engineer. Um, he's clearly been there for a very long time, been held back from promotions, kind of put into, you know, a kind of a shit no no way to get promoted kind of position in a side place and we begin to understand that you know when he was at university many years prior he had a what do they call them like a hubei so like um you know a younger uh i guess fellow student who was younger who is now a much higher position in the company who is a CEO and there's like a little bit of embarrassment around this like everyone feels a bit humiliated for Dong Hoon about this thing, um, which was really interesting. Um, so he, he kind of, uh, you kind of understand very quickly that he's not a happy man. And this is one thing that I think the drama was so interesting in the way it kind of looks into, I want to say the way that big cities filled to the brim with people can feel so lonely. And Dong Hoon is surrounded by people. He has these two brothers who are his best friends. He sees them. He drinks with them all the time. He has a wife. He has a kid who we've sent, he sent overseas for their education. He has a mother. He has his colleagues. But there's something so isolated about this man in the fact that when he talks to people, I don't think he tells them the real things that are going on inside him. And it's an interesting idea, too, because I think Dong Hoon is, you know, he's living the perfect life, particularly his two brothers who are, you know, uh, both have 
both, I guess, have think that they've failed at the things they've tried to do. Businesses have failed or their jobs have failed. And, you know, they're both living at home again. So everyone's always putting, they don't mean to, but I guess it's a lot of pressure that Dong Hoon is constantly being told by his, you know, kind of two ridiculous brothers and his mom, like, you know, you're the good one. You're the one who's achieved it. You're the one who's living the dream. You're living the life. And the thing is, Dong Hoon is, you know, he has a good job. He has a nice apartment. He has a beautiful wife. He's able to afford to send his kid out, you know, overseas to get the best education. Um, He's also, you know, supporting his family with money and stuff, although I think he's like borrowing it a little bit. So he's under a bit of financial strain. But in a lot of ways, he is living the modern city dream. And yet he is so hollow and unhappy. And one thing I loved about the drama, like it is very subtle about things. You see Dong Hoon at home, not talking to his wife. They're like two, I don't know, two ships that just go in opposite directions. They live in the same space, but they never seem to kind of meet or have any connection or talk about anything real. You tell, you can tell how strained things are at home. Um, Dong Hoon doesn't realize it, but his wife is having an affair. Um, but you also see, you know, every time Dong Hoon's at home, there's a bottle of soju or he's like taking a whole bunch of bottles of soju out to the trash, the recycling and stuff. So I really love the way the drama expresses that there's a lot going on with this man. He's not happy. Yes, he's turning to alcohol to kind of get through his life. So things aren't very healthy with him. Um, And then we understand that he's got a bit of money trouble because his two ridiculous brothers are just like sucking up all his money and he's trying to give money to his mom. Mainly his oldest brother, I think, is the worst. I didn't mind the younger brother as much, but I really fucking dislikes the older brother so much. He's just, I didn't love him. Anyway, um, so what's really interesting about this show is that I guess it's the plot. I really didn't expect it. Um, Dong Hoon gets this package delivered to him and it is filled with, well, it's filled with vouchers, but I guess in, um, in Korea, if you get a whole bunch of vouchers, you can do a lot with them. So it's basically, it's a bribe. It's, it's not cash, but it's a lot of money in vouchers. However, that works. I don't know. Um, and he sees it and, you know, there's heavily CCTV everywhere at work. Everyone's really careful about what they say and what they do. Cause there's obviously a lot of security. And Dong Hoon gets this package filled with not money, but vouchers, but this bribe. Um, clearly, it was actually it's an internal like ploy to get one of the managing directors fired. And um, this guy's name is Dong Hoon. And obviously, our guy's name is Dong Hoon. And it's gone to the wrong person. And instead of like, you know, opening this bribe, putting his arm up and being like, someone, some, I've got this, you know, I'm not trying to do anything. And he he puts it in his cupboard and he thinks about it. For a very long time, he thinks about taking the money because he's got these problems in his life. And I think also he's unhappy. I think it's that idea of, you know, sometimes when you are not feeling good about the way things are, you feel stagnant. You begin to, in a way, even though you're afraid of change, you can't make the change yourself. I think you begin to crave it as well. You want something to happen. And I feel like with Dong Hoon, there is a level of that in this moment, you know, he wants something to happen. And I think that's another reason on top of, you know, being tempted by the money that he doesn't just immediately turn it in and explain. 
Unfortunately for Dong Hoon, there is this young woman who is a temp worker at his job and she is taciturn, never speaks to anyone looks like hell all the time like she hasn't slept um coming in with like mad bruises of course this is IU who plays the character Ijian so she's so good in this um just vulnerable yet strong as well like so strong in terms of her endurance and she just yeah she exudes strength as well as being utterly fragile it's very interesting and I think really well done. Um, but Etian sees Dong Hoon get this money. And of course she knows that if the money goes missing, he can't really report it because it's a bribe. So she steals it. It turns out she's got, and in the first episode, like the first episode is just finding out about how Etian is living her life. And it is shit. It's basically completely fucked. Like she has this, um, her grandmother, her Halmoni, who is at a nursing home. Itian can't afford the fees, so she has to, like, steal her grandmother out. She's working, you know, in the office during the day, and she's working scrubbing dishes at night. She lives in an absolute shithole. Turns out, obviously, she's inherited mad debts from this, like, really creepy loan shark place. Um, and this loan shark dude turns up and is literally bashing the shit out of her. Um, again, this show really, really shocked me with this because this young loan shark guy is played by the actor Jung Kyung, who is, you know, a major actor now. He gets leave roles. He's very young, very handsome. And this is something that like, I was really shocked when he hit her. When he first started coming and like being mean to her and harassing her, I just expected this to be you know, even potentially be a love interest, be someone who would have a redemption arc. And in a way he has a redemption arc, but it's done in a way that is good. <laughs> Not in a way where all his crimes are forgotten, forgiven, and, you know, like anything like that at all. It's just that for once in his life, he chooses to do the right thing. Um, so I really liked his arc in the show. He's not in it a huge amount, but the thing that really shocked me was, and I guess made me realize about myself, the moment where Jung Kyung's character like literally punches Ijian and bashes her up. I was so shocked because I didn't think the drama would go there. And you know why? I hate this about myself. It's because he's so handsome. And I just, it kind of really made me think like how much leeway you give like, oh, I hate this, like, but handsome characters in shows, you know, like, you know, that whole anti-hero, like a bad guy to a good guy thing that works when the guy is like super, super handsome. And I hate that. It's just such a like gross thing about the world. I think that if people are good looking, you're so much more likely to, I don't know what, like accept or forgive or just, it's just, it's different. And I, I think, you know, I don't know, I guess it's just ingrained in us all from watching handsome people on television since we were kids, you know, the hero's always handsome and the heroine's always beautiful. It's just so not cool. Um, and uh, that's obviously nothing to do with what this show's about at all, but I don't know, This his side role just really like highlighted it to me. Um, so I really liked his arc because he didn't get a redemption. He didn't get forgiven for being 
the kind of man that would bash a woman up. Like, I really liked that they didn't end up together or something awful just because he's so handsome. So, yeah, it was another way that I think this show really surprised me. So anyway, um, I won't go hugely into the setup, but it's very convoluted. Um, Ijeon eventually, you know, she's desperate for money. She gets all embroiled in this stuff going on with Dong Hoon and his bribe that he's taken and the management find out and, you know, all these people are out to get everybody in the office. Um, and on top of this, she ends up approaching the horrible CEO guy who is having an affair with Dong Hoon's wife. And Lee Jian, um offers to get everyone fired that this horrible CEO guy wants to get fired. He definitely wants Dong Hoon to be fired because he's, you know, banging his wife, I guess. Gross. Um, and Ijeon ends up tapping Dong Hu's phone. So like bugging it as in listening to every word he says forever. Um, it's hardcore. Uh, so a lot of the drama, you know, at first she's really She's not doing good things. She's doing terrible things. And she is listening to Dong Hoon as he lives his life. And he's going through some of the worst times ever in terms of he doesn't know his wife's having an affair, but eventually he finds out, which is crushing. But also he is just so agonizingly unhappy. And all his most vulnerable moments are being overheard by Ijeon. Like it's... It's such a huge breach of privacy. It is just horrendous, the fact that she is listening in to him. But there's something about this drama that she is like death walking alive. Like she is not living. She is surviving, but she is not alive. And she has no faith in other people, like at all. She has this thing that... She, she's never nice to people because they're never nice to her. But it's this thing that she explains that just because someone's nice to you once or twice or three times or four times, it doesn't mean anything. She says no one is ever nicer, nice to her more than four times. She's only 21 and her life is just the saddest fucked up thing ever. Like it just killed me watching this girl. Um, so there's this thing where what she is doing is unforgivable. Like she's listening to him all the time. She's trying to get him fired for a lot of the drama, but he is such a good man that she, she cannot help. I think just love him for who he is, you know, love him for being good, always being good, always doing the right thing when she expects him not to. He never, ever does the wrong thing. And it just consistently shocks her to the point where she begins to regain a sense of faith in the world and in other people and in life itself. And therefore, eventually, I guess in herself, all through just listening to this man, live his life and go through these terrible moments. And I think this is what's so interesting. Like ethically, everything that she does is the fucking worst. It's so bad what she does. And yet as a viewer of this drama, you are on her side because she is so 
so just destroyed inside that you want her to live, you want her to get better, you want her to be able to do well. And when you see what a lifeline listening to Dong Hoon is for Lee Jian, you kind of condone it for her because you know that without it, without listening to Dong Hoon, she has nothing. And that it that alternative is just too much to bear as a viewer of this show because you like her so much and you just feel so much empathy for this woman who has just been she's just fallen through the cracks like it's so so sad so a lot of my favorite parts of this show are these like unbelievably quiet moments these long stretching scenes and it'll just be Etienne with her earphones in she'll be walking down the street or she'll be sitting in a shithole of a house with her you know her grandma behind her listening with her earphones while she makes herself a drink or some like tiny shitty food because she's so poverty stricken and she will just listen to Dong Hoon breathe or walk like it just blew me away how this show created so much emotion and such a huge reaction from me as a viewer to the sound of this man breathing and the sound of his footsteps walking down a street. It's unbelievably moving and well done and incredible and I was very <laughs> very surprised by it. So I really loved that stuff. Um so basically the plot is just that Ijian decides to be on Donghoon's side. Of course Donghoon has no idea that any of this shit's going on or this kind of corporate espionage around him and he's involved in his own stuff and then there's like a promotion opportunity and it all sounds like nothing when I kind of say it like this I think and try and explain it. But when you're watching it it's just I, I was surprised by the plot. I really liked the fact that this show was driven by this plot. And I think it, it puts the characters in these very ethically difficult situations. And I loved seeing Dong Hoon be the man that he is, this good man who consistently chooses the right path and see how through listening to him, it brings Ijian back to life. And interestingly enough, through their you know, their connection and them talking and relating to each other and this strange relationship that builds between Dong Hoon and Lee Jian, she is also saving his life. These moments that they share, it's just a connection that he does not have because he is so isolated from everything and yet something somehow with Lee Jian, there can be something a little bit more, a little bit deeper. And I think just the same as for her, you know, this regaining of faith in the world, I think for Dong Hoon, she actually acts as that same kind of catalyst for making him want to be alive again. Um, so I thought it was really beautiful. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other shit that happens too, but that's that's the basic setup. Um, so what I'll do now is talk about the stuff that I really, really loved. So 
So the stuff that I really loved about my mister, so I've already talked about it a little bit, but this idea of that sense of isolation in a modern world, in a modern city, um, you know, someone like Dong Hoon who lives so diligently, who from the outside in looks like he has everything in the world and yet he's missing something, you know, he cannot find his happiness. And I feel like, you know, that is such a familiar feeling, I would imagine, to so many people. And I know that I've been in that position, you know, just living to work. And, you know, I was making a lot of money, but I was so unhappy. And yet you do look like you're succeeding from the outside if you have, you know, lots of money and a good job and it's stable and you have a house and you have, you know, a family and all these things, these ingredients that society has decided means success and I loved this exploration of someone who appears to have everything and yet feels like he has nothing it was really sad but really interesting and then on the flip side we have Ijian who is again it's just this examination of our modern world she is a woman who has fallen through the cracks she has been left behind you know we find out through the course of the drama that she could have not accepted her inherited debts. She could have said she didn't want to inherit them from her family member, but she didn't know that she wasn't legally required to do this. She had no support and adult kind of mentorship or education in her life. I think they said she's like a primary school dropout, um, that she was incapable of living just the bare minimum decent life that she deserves because of these other factors. And I think, again, that's such a side product of the modern world. If you are not, if you don't, if you aren't given the kind of adult help and support and education, then how can you make the right choices to even know what is the bare minimum of, of what you are allowed to have in life? You know, another example is you know, she's put her grandma in this, this nursing home and she's experienced even more debts from doing that until she finally pulls her grandma out. Now her grandma's just lying on the floor in this shithole of an apartment and Ijian's just trying to feed the woman like it's horrendous and then Dong Hoon says to her one day don't you know that if you can't afford to look after her there's like the state will provide a nursing home for free and Jian like the look on her face He's just like, no one's ever fucking told her this. You know, she's never had the opportunity to know. She doesn't believe in other people. She doesn't trust other people. Why would she think to go look this shit up when she's just expects always to have a shitty life? Like, it was so sad. And I think that, that again, it's so true to life. People who fall through the cracks, who don't fit into what is considered you know, <laughs> I guess society's nice view of the world or the way that everyone should live. It was really sad and moving. Um, I really, really, I already said I loved her listening to him, his breath, his footsteps. It was crazy moving, even though like when you think about it, it's so fucking wrong. <laughs> um, the other thing I loved about this show, I think it looks really good. It's a, It's, you know, a lot of it's nighttime stuff, very much urban kind of nightscape cityscape kind of look um it uses trains and subways like particularly the first half to three quarters like all the time and I felt like it was just this kind of representation of that being surrounded 
by people, you know, on their commute to and from work, but there's no one really there. You know, there's no one there that you can talk to, that you could lean on, that could help you. And it's just that idea of being so isolated by modern living, by city living, even though you are surrounded at all times by other people. Um, and I've, I really loved, I guess, just that visual representation. It looks so, because it's all filmed at night, you know, it's, there's something so cold and just, yeah, modern city about the way it looked. I really, really liked it. And a lot of, I feel like the relationship that very slowly builds between Ijian and Dong Hoon, a lot of that you know, it takes place on, on the commutes to and from work or after work at these weird little bars and like all these little places and yeah, just night city, you know, like after the day when after all the big things happen and all what the part of the day, I guess, in a city that everyone knows about and everyone experiences. And it's like, what do these people do after that? You know, in the little cracks and the weird places and the back neighborhoods. And it was just, it's like a different view of it. I really liked that. Um, I thought the music was really, really good. There's a lot of sort of just, um, I guess, instrumental themes that are beautiful and moving and haunting and melancholic I really liked it um so I just wanted to talk about some scenes that really I loved so one of them is Dong Hoon kind of he he, he goes off and he finds out where Ijian is at night so like it's so tentative like the relationship that builds is so slow and tentative particularly on his side like Ijian is so loyal to him very quickly because she's listening to him um but he's you know he just doesn't understand her but he I guess in truth he feels so sorry for her when he begins to understand her situation at first he's very confused by her she really puts him on the back foot but he feels very indebted to her um, from the beginning because of the circumstances and everything with this bribe and he begins to care about her and her well-being and he wants to know if she's okay but then on top of that there is a connection between them but he goes to find her at night and he finds her out on the street and she's literally got a shopping trolley and she's got her grandma in it. Her grandma's like, looks like a freaking E.T. munchkin, like all just wrapped up in this like little blanket, all cute with a little face poking out. But it's also horrific because her grandma has been stuck inside this little shitty apartment. It's like on a hilltop. So Ijian has put her into this shopping center at night in winter and it's freezing just so that her grandmother can go out and see the sky. Um, and Dong Hoon carries Ijian's grandma back up to the house. So up these, you know, little tiny, like little back alley hills, streets, like up the staircase to the little like, um, you know, hillside apartment that she lives in. And there's this point where Ijian just stands, she just stops and she's just looking up at him from, she's at the bottom of the hill and he's, you know, slowly walking up the steps with her grandma on his back. And the look on her face, like I nearly died. It was so moving. It was such a beautiful, beautiful scene. Um, you know, it's one of these things where I think at this point he's been kind to her more than four times and it's beginning to, she's beginning to believe in him that he really is the way that he represents himself to be to the world. Um, it's very, very beautiful scene. Um, what else do I have? Um, I really, okay. So I, I, like I said, I don't love any of the side characters. I wish I had liked them more because they do get a 
a huge amount of screen time but unfortunately like if I'm completely honest I kind of fucking hated all of them <laughs> I, I kind of did um but there was this scene that I liked um and I get what the show is trying to do like you know this neighborhood where Dong Hoon has grown up where everyone's still friends after all these years it's like supposed to be this beautiful makeshift family but for me I was like you guys all have other families and all you do is sit in this bar and drink together all the time. I feel like you have an alcohol problem. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's just me. That was just my impression of it. Um, but through all these different circumstances, Dong Hoon and all his brothers and all these millions of old dudes who just go out and get drunk together every single night in this bar. Um, plus this woman called Jong Hee who runs the bar and they've all been friends since they were teens or whatever. And they're all walking home. They're all really drunk and they come across Dong Hoon walking Ijeon home. And so they all walk together and there is this moment, like all the adults, I'm going to say adults, like she's 21, but they're all like maybe 20 years older than her. And they're all sort of talking in this very like, we're older than you way, you know, like, oh, you know, isn't it good to be young? And you know, how nice to be young. And then Ejian's just like, I can't wait until I'm your age because life will be easier then. And there's just this moment where they all kind of stop. And it's like, I guess they just realize how hypocritical that is in a way, but also it's this reality check and Jong-hee, um, the owner of the bar, she kind of remembers herself at 21 and she's like, you know, that's true. Life wasn't that much shinier and better back then, you know? And it's this idea, I really like it because for me, it's, it's this thing of, you can look back at your past and when you were younger with like rosy kind of glasses and be like, oh, you know, if only things were better back then, like I could go back. And it's like, no matter where you are in your life, it's up to you to take control. Like it, you have to take responsibility. And I just kind of liked this, it just seemed like this moment of a little bit of a wake up call for these people, but maybe I'm reading the whole thing differently too, because I didn't like them all so much. And I was like, you do need a wake up call. <laughs> anyway, that's just a personal thing. Um, so another scene I really, really loved is when Dong Hoon finds out the truth. There's so many moments, like he finds out the truth about Lee Jian and her past. There's this moment where he goes to he wants to pay off her debt basically and he goes and confronts the other guy and finds out you know this terrible thing that's happened to her when she was young I'm gonna spoil it so she killed somebody when she was very young it's really horrific and she is she thinks that he's going to turn away from her and he doesn't like it's so moving and then there's this part later when he realizes that she's been fucking listening to him for you know months <laughs> and he again he just like he can understand her he can see why she has done what she's done and he can be grateful to her for the things that she's done for him and it's so moving but she says to him I liked listening to you it was the first time I knew what it means to be human and I think that right there is like the whole show basically in one sentence, you know, and I really loved it. I really loved the way that she said that. Um, the last thing I'll mention that I really liked, although there was lots of other little things as well, but, um, you know, the, the kind of, um, loan shark dude played by the actor Kung Ji, uh, Jung Kyung, sorry. Um, I really liked you know, you just think he's an asshole. He is an asshole. Like he totally is. But I really love that he gets painted. His backstory gets painted with a piece of, um, kind of 
so that you can understand, I guess. Like, it's not just like, oh, he's born evil and now he's evil and he just wants to get her back for killing his dad. Like, I loved that they like, he's a product of his environment. When he was a kid, he was bashed up and he carried her on his back and he helped her, but he has been poisoned by the world that he lives in and the people that he lives with and the way that he's been treated and the way that his dreams have been crushed and he has turned into a complete fucking monster with a handsome face and that's not okay it doesn't make it any better that he is what he is just because he has this sad backstory but I loved that the drama took the time to flesh it flesh him out to show that he wasn't always that way and I think it makes it sadder that he is so horrific and awful now because once he was just a little squishy kid you know once he was just a squishy kid who got treated badly and that is so shit um so I liked it I just liked the nuance and the complexity of it um and I think you know not just him but the two leads as well there's so much nuance and complexity to their characters and who they are um so next I'll talk about the stuff that I didn't love quite as much So stuff that blurg for me, um, again, just personal, I don't know, I'm just, I'm going to waffle a bit, but um, I I didn't hate all the side characters. I didn't mind um, Dong Hoon's uh, wife. I mean, you know, I didn't love that she's having an affair or anything, but I mean, I didn't get frustrated by those storylines. I liked the storyline between him and his wife. I liked the storyline with the horrible CEO guy. Like, I didn't mind all the corporate espionage stuff. Um, so it's not like I hated all the side characters. I really liked Dong Hoon's colleagues. Like, my gosh, the moment he gets the promotion and all his colleagues are like so happy for him and clap and I feel like it's the first time he smiled properly for the whole drama was unbelievably nice and moving I hated Dong Hoon's brothers and I hated all their friends in the bar I just I don't know I freaking hated them um I feel that I could have dealt with Dong Hoon's younger brother, um, Gi Hoon. I think Gi Hoon was doable for me. I could have handled him being such a big focus, but I think I hated his older brother, Sung Hoon, so much that Sung Hoon and Gi Hoon are always together and they just bled into one big pile of me not liking them. And I, I get what the show's trying to do. Like these are two grown men who have failed at the things that they've set out to try and do in life and now they're back home living with the mom. And I think it's supposed to be pitiful. I mean, I know there's so much going on there, but I think I just felt like there was so much already to explore with the lives that our two main characters were leading. And I felt like all this extra misery piled on with the pitiful situation of the brother whose businesses have failed and marriage has failed and, you know, his, his everything is just shit. I, I just felt like it was too much. And I felt like it didn't need to be there for me anyway to enjoy what the drama was trying to say about the world and about society and a modern life modern living like I didn't feel like those examples of other ways that you can be unhappy or other ways that you can fail at life needed to be there for me to feel the themes of this show um, and I also I didn't feel invested or care about the romance with um Dong Hoon's youngest brother and this completely crazy actress. I did like, sort of like the way that that ended, as in 
you know, he is, um, he has a cleaning company that he has with his brother, his older brother. So they're both uh, cleaning. And I really, I guess I liked the fact that it felt realistic that once she becomes a big actress, she's kind of like, oh, you shouldn't just be a cleaner. You should be a director again. You should be more than that. I felt like that was realistic. I'm glad the drama put it in there. But also I felt like she was a horrible person for doing that because if he's happy to own a cleaning company, what is wrong with that? And so I just felt very like intense about, I don't know, all this stuff. I just didn't like them. And I guess, I guess I didn't love the whole, like I get the whole found family thing. I get that everyone's supposed to be this really beautiful found family in the neighborhood all being together but I also felt like all they did together was drink copious amounts of alcohol every single night in a bar and never go home and I do feel like you know a few of those men who are in this bar all the time they're talking about their wife and kids and I'm like well where are your wife and kids like are they at home you're spending so much money on alcohol every single night and not like spending time with your family they probably feel quite neglected so I don't know I think it's just such a personal thing but I just didn't think any of it felt very healthy and then I didn't love the way it's kind of this thing where they're trying to like welcome Ejian into this world and it's supposed to be so warm and loving like look at us look at this beautiful family we have we all take care of each other I'm like that's true and that's nice but also not everyone wants to go and kind of drink at a bar every single night like it, I just felt like it's another crutch for unhappiness it's another the same as Dong Hoon at the beginning of the drama drinking soju every night because he's trying to find something to fill the gaps in his life and I felt like all these men and Jong Hee were very much so at odds with the world and hadn't really I guess none of them seemed particularly happy they all felt like they were propping each other up and using this you know this this bar and the alcohol and this kind of getting drunk every night and singing and stuff together as an alternative to happiness because they couldn't find true happiness they didn't feel solid and good about life so they're filling it in with this and I just I mean that's how I viewed it but then I didn't feel like the drama was kind of saying that it was more kind of I felt like it was showing it as something good and happy and positive and I didn't read it that way but maybe that's just me I don't know it's just how I felt about it and um Jonghee who is the owner of the bar I didn't love this like 20 year thing that she's been in love with this man who went off to be a monk when he was like 20 and now they're both 40 and she's just never gotten over him for 20 years because it was again it was just an extra piece of sadness in a drama that I felt already had a lot of sadness, but it had sadness that I felt more invested in and engaged with. And I, I feel like maybe that's why all the side characters didn't work for me so much because their sadness just didn't feel relevant to me compared to these deep, dark worlds that we were sinking into with Dong Hoon and Yi Jian. Um, but, you know, it's just personal. That, that's how I felt about it. Um, so very quickly, I do want to talk about the ending. Um, I really liked it. I actually really 
really liked it because at first when the drama finished, um, Ijian is like, oh, you know, this boss guy has got me a job. So she gets to have like a proper job. She moves off to Busan. And I like that she goes, like she kind of says to Dong Hoon, like, I'm not going to stick around here and hope that I get to see you all the time. Like she doesn't want to be in love with a man who is married and is not interested in her in that way. And I really liked that she never asked for anything from him in that way of romance. She never expected him to, you know, be romantically involved with her. Like there was no pressure on him in that way. And I really liked it. She just, she loves him fiercely and that is how she feels, but she's going to go off and live her life. Um, and then, you know, Dong Hoon sort of walking around and he's got his promotion at work and he's just like, you know, I'm going to be happy now. I'm going to be happy. And then I was thinking about it. I'm like, how is he going to be happy? Nothing has actually changed for him at all. And I was like, is the drama actually just going to end with him being happy now suddenly for no reason? Like, was getting a promotion really the thing that was going to make his heart sing and make him want to live again? And then, so I was really worried, um, except that the drama, of course, didn't do that because it's much smarter than that. And it was like, yes, nothing changed. And he wasn't happy. All this had happened but he's still living the same life. In fact, it gets even worse because his wife goes overseas to live with their kid. So he's, you know, he's a stay in Korea dad who does nothing but work and sends money off to his family who live overseas, which is horrific. And I know that that is a way, um, you know, my, my old Korean language teacher told me that a lot of people in Korea, um, men live that way. Um, I can't remember what the term is for it, but you know, it's so common that there's a term for it. So their kids and wives can go overseas and, you know, their kids can get an education in like America or Canada or England or wherever, um, or different countries. And it just seems so horrific and sad to me. Like, what's the point of having a family if you can't spend time with them? But again, you know, that's me bringing my own personal shit to the way that I am relating to the drama. But I really liked that the drama didn't pretend that everything was fine for no reason. We see that Dong Hoon is exactly the way that he's been. He's so unhappy. He's so lonely. He's so isolated. But the thing is that for once, you know, we flash forward and we realize he's done something about it. He has, if he hates his job, he has started his own company. And I guess that was always an option for him. But I think there's a level of fear to change that he's had. And I guess the difference now after going through all this stuff and having this connection with Ijian is that he's willing to be brave enough to try. And I really liked that. And then at the very end, Ijian and Dong Hoon meet each other again on by chance on the street. And I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I imagine that a lot of people maybe feel weird because there's like there's a this big age gap there that he's 20 years older than her. And he's definitely aware of that in the drama. She doesn't care because she, he's the first person who was ever nice to her and treated her as a human being and gave her pride in herself again. And I guess in terms of that age gap, like I'm not mad into age gaps, but I also think, you know, obviously they do happen and I think they happen in real life. And I think the problem with an age gap in a love story is often a power imbalance where someone has a lot more power and it's unequal so that someone is always, you know, I just don't think relationships with a power imbalance are very romantic, but I felt like if if that's not what's going on and it's it's actual love, it's actual connection, then, you know, it doesn't matter so much as long as, you know, 
both people are adults, obviously, um, which they are in this case. And I think, you know, watching this, I kind of want them to be together. I feel like they found happiness in the other person. I think that they could live a very simple life and be happy together. So I do hope and the way they look at each other at the end, like they just look so happy to be reunited. And I loved seeing Ijian hanging out with her, you know, her female work friends. It was just like, you couldn't even imagine her doing that at the start of the drama. So it was very moving. So that's it for me on um, Maya Joshi or My Mister. Um, I really, really loved it, except for all that stuff I didn't love. But like on the whole, like three quarters of this, I loved. Um, so I think if you haven't watched it, it's definitely worth your time. But I also feel that I needed to be in the right mood for this show. You really need to slow down and soak it in and take your time with it. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoy it if you haven't seen it. And if you have seen it, you can let me know how you felt. Now it is time for my random thing of the week and I do have a poem for you guys today. So I've been doing a lot of research um, just into Joseon history and I came across this thing called a death poem. Um, so it's not something I really knew about before but there are a lot of very famous death poems um, that have been recorded that were basically basically like the last words of um, you know ministers or scholars or officials and things like that during the Joseon dynasty or yeah just scholars. But I've got one I'm going to read out to you guys. It is sad, but it's beautiful. Um, but I don't know, <laughs> it's pretty melancholy. And I think kind of fits in with the vibes of, um, of, of that show <laughs> that I just talked about. So this one was written by a man called Song Sam Mun. Um, and he lived between 1418 and 1456. Um, apparently he was one of six martyred ministers um, and was the leader of the conspiracy to assassinate Sejo, so King Sejo, um, which is how he ended up at the point where he was writing a death poem. It didn't go that well. Um, so I'm just going to read this because I think it's interesting and beautiful, but yeah, sad. What shall I become when this body is dead and gone? A tall, thick pine tree on the highest peak of Bongresan. Evergreen alone when white snow covers the whole world. As the sound of the drum calls for my life, I turn my head where sun is about to set. There is no inn on the way to the underworld. At whose house shall I sleep tonight? So that's it. It's pretty moving, I think, and beautiful in a frightening kind of way. So now I'm up to my something I'm loving section this week. This is a bit of a cheat, but it's also true. <laughs> I love that moment when you finish a drama, when you get to decide what your next drama is going to be and all the possibilities of the different things that you could try to watch are just like laid out in front of you and you are just at that moment of being like, hmm, which one of these awesome looking shows do I feel like watching next? I love that moment. I hate the moment where you don't know what to watch next and you're kind of just scrolling, but you really don't know. But I love the moment when you've collected like five or 10 shows that you want to watch and you just get to decide which of those cool sounding things you're going to watch next. So that is exactly how I feel right at this moment as I record this. I'm very excited. What will I pick? Eee!
So this brings me to the part of the show where I say a huge, huge thank you to my Patreon supporters. Um, I really, really appreciate it so much. I know I say this every week, but I do. It means a lot to me. A huge shout out and thank you to those people who have decided to support me on Patreon. It really means a lot to me that you guys like what I do enough to do that. So thank you. Thank you. 